You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. fans this is modern musicology i am glad that you're here listening my name is alan and joining me are stephanie seymour hi everybody and rob levy good evening mr and mrs america and all the ships at sea (laughs) and tonight our topic is surprise favorites now i suggested this topic I don't know, months ago, and I had something very particular in mind when I was thinking of it, and I have no idea what it was. <laughs> so even I don't know what the hell this topic means. <laughs> so I'm kind of looking forward to doing this show with the two of you tonight and having no idea what it is you're all going to bring to the discussion because you know usually we have a very specific topic it can be broad it can be narrow but it's but we know what the parameters are for the discussion for this one i have no idea where this is going to go so i'm kind of looking forward to that so basically the surprise is going to be everything that you two say to me (laughs) (laughs) so so let's get rolling so i'm I'm curious to know um when you when you read the pitch surprise favorites how did you interpret that? Like, what was your starting point for the things that you picked? I mean, the things I picked were were basically songs that either I didn't like at the time and I have like come to appreciate now be, or songs that maybe I heard so many times that I finally was like, you know what? I like this. This is a good song. And I also had two, I have two artists that um, in other words, uh, songs that maybe make made me like an artist's career, okay. you know, that sort of got me into an artist more than I was before or whatever. That's that sounds interesting. I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear what you got. I kind of did the same thing as Steph, where I just tried to find songs that um, I didn't like and have worn down on or things that are kind of outside the box that I that I like that finally wore me down. Mm-hmm. And then also. um Kind of after we heard from Alan earlier, I made a list of like artists and things that I came to that I'm surprised I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Alan, what about you? Well, for mine, you know, I was kind of going with things like either it was an artist that I didn't really care for, but then something came along and that I really loved um, or things that came to me in a surprising way, maybe something that I would never have encountered otherwise. And I'm surprised how much I loved it. Mm -hmm. And in one case, it's like an artist that has a huge career and I'm an, I have a huge amount of respect for this person and, you know, and would say I'm a fan, but I've never collected any albums or anything like that, except for one. (laughs) <laughs> so so it's going to be interesting to to hear all of our um all of our selections so i'm just gonna since uh in our 1983 show i mentioned ray of light by madonna so oh, i'm just gonna that. i'm just gonna start with that one because i was a you know i was enough of a madonna fan um 
I, you know, over the years, I kind of accumulated a, a song here or there that I liked, you know, like Open Your Heart, I really dug, and La Isla Bonita, Live to Tell. And then from the following album, Like a Prayer, the song Like a Prayer just really kind of blew me away. And the song from that album, Oh Father, I just thought was incredible. I just loved that song. So, you know, I was kind of like getting on the Madonna train, but ray of light came along and i was already starting to get a little bit more into the electronica scene you know so anything that had sort of like a techno-y sort of pr uh, production about it i was starting to really uh like you know starting to get into and um the year before ray of light bowie had released earthling which was sort of a jungle slash house slash drum and bass kind of thing. He was sort of uh, getting into the, the zeitgeist of the music industry at the time and put out this album that was I loved. I thought it was extraordinary and it was so different from anything that Bowie had done before. So I was already sort of like the stage had been set and then Ray of Light came along and it just blew my mind mm -hmm. and i can remember when i finally like i know that frozen was the first single but i'm sure the first song from it that i heard was the title song which was the second single and i heard frozen after that so ray of light came out and i loved it the single i thought it was really cool and then i heard frozen and i was like oh shit i gotta have this <laughs> so i went out and bought the album and i can remember the day that i came home with it I literally laid on the floor in my bedroom for half a day and just played the album over and over and over. Like I could not wow. let it go. I was just like yeah. swimming in this sea of like technoscape. And I just, I didn't want to leave that environment. That's like, so cool. I was just obsessed with it. And that totally took me by surprise. Yeah. A, that I had bought a Madonna album and B, that it affected me that much. Well, I'm going to go off your Madonna thing because that is someone who I had on my list. Um, but I'm an album before you because so I from yeah. the Like a Prayer album, um, I I never really I wasn't a fan of hers very much. I mean, I definitely thought her stuff was catchy and poppy and I I could appreciate it. And but I just wasn't I was like, oh, she's just so un I just thought she wasn't cool. And I just wasn't a fan of her really. But when I heard express yourself yeah. for the first time, I was my, like, I felt like my mind was blown. I'm like, is this Madonna? Like I couldn't believe that I loved the song so much and like, kind of like you, I, but, but only with this song, really not with the whole album. I played it over and over and over. I was like, just, you know, obsessed kind of with it. Mm -hmm. So that that's one of them. My examples. I was kind of passive aggressive with the singles <laughs> borderline. I kind of liked, you know, a part of it though, is that she was everywhere on MTV. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of an oversaturation and like a virgin, I thought was okay. Material girl. I kind of thought was, was okay. Yeah. But when they got, when she got to um, into the groove, Oh, that's a great um, song. I'm just like, this is, this is a fantastic pop record. Yeah. And um, that was kind of like, to this day, I'm I'm very much a Madonna singles person more than an album person, right? Yeah. Um, the the one you talked about, and then the one that samples the Ava, you know, and so there's a couple there's a couple of those that I that I dig. Um, 
and I find myself now kind of going back to the older stuff and kind of liking. I still don't like a lot of her slow stuff. Like I don't think she does ballads well. Well, because she can't really sing. I mean, sorry, um, but she's not like a singer singer. Um, <laughs> but she, uh, no, it's just I just don't like the way they're they're produced. They just sound too mm. too polished, right? Um, but I also like deeper and deeper. Um, oh, it's fantastic. Just because it's got that kind of like house thing going on. Um, the I, I guess I kind of like the Maverick years of Madonna the most yeah. because she was sort of into the the deep house uh, going clubbing in New York thing. And it sounded like all the records that I went to. And what was really interesting about her in that time of her career is you'd go to clubs and they were playing Madonna records, which was like, you never played like a pop record at a club. That's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those records were starting to get played. Like Vogue, Vogue was everywhere too. Yeah, it was. I, mm-hmm. it just, that, that just annoyed the hell out of me, me. too. I didn't like um, that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, you know, this is cute. We're done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are a couple of the things of hers that I, I kind of liked. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you talk about the Maverick years, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, and, and being a singles artist, I, I love a lot of her singles now and particularly the stuff she did in the nineties. I really, I mean, if you listen to the greatest hits volume two, that album is a banger. Like there is not a weak track mm-hmm. on. I don't know that I'd ever buy a, one of the albums from the nineties, but if you listen to that singles collection, man, it is slamming. Yeah. It's well, so I mean, good. When you, when you think about Madonna, her eighties stuff mm-hmm. is Jellybean Benitez and a lot of like record label telling her what to do. The nineties, she's listening to DJs and tastemakers and producers who have track records. Right. Then you get to the 2000s when she starts to want to do things on her own. And that's when it gets kind of murky. Right. Um, that's just kind of the, the thing with Madonna. I'm going to switch gears 100%. And Excellent. I'm going to go with a Crosby, Stills and Nash song. Um, <laughs> yep. That's pretty a, different, right? That's a 180 right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not that I wasn't a fan of Crosby, Stills and Nash. I totally was and am. Mm-hmm. But when I heard... Um, Southern Cross from the album Daylight again. And it was came out in the 80s. Uh, no, not sure what year it was, but um MTV played that endlessly, and I just couldn't stand it. I thought it was so uncool, and I just was kind of nauseated by that song. Years later, I heard um Wasted on the Way, which I think I heard a live version of it somewhere. And I was like, oh, that's a really great song. What album is that on? And I and it was Daylight Again. And I said, <laughs> all right, hold on. You know, could, <laughs> I have to revisit. And I did. I revisited. And I, to this day now, I am obsessed with the song Southern Cross. And I think it's so amazing. And the harmonies are so great. And I don't know. I just had a complete... Speaking of 180s, I had a 180 on that song big time. And that album, although it's sort of marred by 80s production, it really is. Um, there are really good songs on that album. Of course, Wasted on the Way, but there's a song called Delta that is mm, it's so beautiful. But the drums are just such 80s sound. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I hate that 80s drum yeah, sound. It's he- yeah. I don't think I ever saw that song on MTV. What? Like, like I don't know how I escaped I it. I don't remember seeing it but my local rock radio station played it all the time and yeah. I loved it and huh. I still do love it. Well, I, I got never, converted. So yeah, I was never a Crosby stills in that. I like, I think I just kind of missed them. Like they were sort of around right before I started 
listening to radio and stuff. And I don't think I ever really caught up with them until, even though I did go back and listen to a lot of that stuff, like Jefferson airplane. I'm a huge airplane fan. Yeah. Um, but I never really got into the, uh, Crosby, Souls and Nash scene, mm-hmm. but Southern cross. I loved. Keep keeping it in this, not the same vein, but sort of like an old, older kind of rock vein. There's one more I want to point out, which is Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is. Again, a song I hated. You you two clearly still hate it. But I, um, yeah, I mean, again, it was always on. I was just like, this sucks so fucking bad. I couldn't stand it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a fun show. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know why. I don't know what, what. Create, you know, made me go listen to it again, or maybe I heard it somewhere and I was like, hmm, I don't think I mind it as much as I did. And then I just kept listening to it and listening to it. And I, I love it. I don't know. I love it. I love the core. I love the beautiful, um, chorus with the huge, you know, um, vocals and just, I don't know. I think it's beautiful, but, uh, it's a great song. I just, it's just, too schmaltzy for it is me. Schmaltz. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with schmaltz. <laughs> I have good more schmaltz, schmaltz later good. on. <laughs> oh, oh, great. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's an okay song. Mm-hmm. It's just not one that I would sort of go to, you know. Yeah. Maybe for a suicide note. Oh, um, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think this is going to be one of the two parts of the show where Steph and I fight. Um, oh, yeah, bring fight. it on like we bring may, it on. no i don't think we've ever really fought like this before <laughs> so it is pretty widely known of my strong dislike for elvis costello and um i've got my gloves on already so <laughs> when when veronica came out mm. they played the holy daylights out of that thing on 120 minutes and it rotated over kept rotating over right and i heard elvis costello and the attractions before and all this stuff and yes he almost broke up the pogues which really pissed me off but um, I just, you know, the early records never really moved much for me, right? And then Veronica was kind of like, okay, this is so pa- so poppy. It's an earworm and it's not going away mm-hmm. that I kind of went back to with Elvis Costello kind of being a singles guy with Elvis Costello. Okay. But uh, it took me longer than the average person to like Elvis Costello. Well, that's a great song, Veronica. I mean, that... You know, I can see why that hooked you. I mean, it's got the, I mean, it's, it follows all the trademarks, right? I mean, all of his sort of big pop records follow either the 50s or the 60s, you know, pop four, four beats. You know, he doesn't. Yeah, I was thinking about him with Every Day I Write the Book. And uh, not that that was one of my choices for this show or anything, but it did kind of come to mind that that's the song that got me into him when I was a younger, yeah. you know, and that's a real talk about pop, you know? Yeah. Cause I heard that and watching the detectives were the first thing I'm like, this oh, is okay, yeah. but it's not like fantastic. Right. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, um, I, I, you know, I try to think of myself as being music literate and all that stuff, but I just don't get Dylan. I, I, <laughs> Yeah. Same. This is where Bob, this is where Bob's going to like cut me off (laughs) or like I'm in this circle of trust, but no, this um, is where we lose half of our subscribers. They're like, if they don't like Dylan, then how can they be serious? It's not that I dislike him. I think he's a great songwriter. And if I listen to or read the lyrics, it's fantastic. I think he tapped into the zeitgeist of the times. And I think that he is 
a hugely important and influential artist. I'm not debating that he has no, talents yeah, or any of that. No, of course. It's just not my thing. But, you know, um, the times they are changing is still pretty great. And um, I mean, that's that's the big one. And all, um, all on the Watchtower, right? Those are kind of the two. You know, his version of All on the Watchtower is kind of kind of good. But really, Hendrix kind of did that, too. So Tangled Up in Blue is fantastic. That's what got me into yeah. him. Yeah. Well, just, speaking I mean, of Watchtower, no, you know, though, as much as I am. Sorry. Speaking of Watchtower, see, Dylan to me is in a whole category of artists that are important and influential and undeniable. But the only time I like their songs is when someone else does them. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Neil Young is in that category too. Oh, yeah. like, really? I realize how great Neil Young songs are when other people record them. Isn't that wow. Funny. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Oh, Bob's not talking to us. I know. Uh, <laughs> we are disowned. <laughs> yeah. Can I switch gears 100% again? Yeah. You're good at that. Paula Abdul. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. So the thing is, I don't, I don't like her music. So I was shocked when I heard Promise of, the new, Promise of a New Day from her Spellbound album in 91. Because I loved it. And I still do. I love that song. Actually, it's funny. The Like, not this past spring, but um, the spring before, for some reason, I got obsessed with that song again, Promise of a New Day. And I just played it over and over again while I was hawk watching. Like, I played it for, like, endlessly wow. <laughs> as I was watching birds. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I did, I did kind of like um, The Way That You Love Me. As just like a good radio funk kind of popish song, it was fun. But can't even know if I don't even know if I know that one. But yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah I probably do. But she she's just not a she's just not a good singer. Yeah, no. But that song "Promise of a New Day" is really a good. It's so catchy and so yeah. hooky, and it's really like it's a good it's a good one. I don't know that one, so I'll go listen. To oh, it. give it a listen. I think you dig it. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yep. All right, so I'm going to let me pull one out here that um, I, uh, I used to hang out with. I had a best friend back in Florida named John, and we hung out all the time. And this is like 85-ish. And I met him when I was working at a record store. And we just bonded immediately, and we became best friends, and we hung out all the time. And we hung out every weekend. And I would just stay at his house till like midnight or whatever. And on Friday nights, one of our local stations carried a syndicated show called London Calling. And it was mm. all this British import music that you would never hear on American radio. And I loved it. So I would just stick around at his house until it was about time for that show to start. And it was like a half hour drive home for me. So I would just like, you know, stick around and they'll be like, hey, uh, I got to go, you know, because my favorite show was starting. And so I heard a lot of stuff that I would never have heard otherwise. And it was really interesting and so different from the stuff that makes it onto American Top 40. And one night I was coming home and this song started and it was so different and it, it just caught me by surprise. And it was, the song was called Happy Ever After by Julia Fordham. And this was the first single from her first album. And it was so unique. 
and it was it's kind of very dark and kind of moody and i was like holy cow this is incredible so i finally found the i don't remember when the album actually came out here but i i bought it immediately and really loved it and it's a hundred percent written by julia fordham there's no like covers there's no outside co-writers or anything like that and at least four of the tracks are just her in piano mm. and and it's so intimate and so like introspective and the lyrics are so smart um i i followed her for a while like the first four albums of hers are really good and then i started kind of to lose interest a little bit but i still love those first four albums but that first one is so incredible like there's really huh. nothing else like it and she's sort of this song chanteuse kind of thing but with this kind of husky alto voice oh god it's so and she's got an incredible range too so she's oh my god she's amazing that first album just it still kills me every time i hear it super cool nice and you know she's she's one of the only time i've ever brought her up on our show before was when we were talking to gary clark because he had done some yeah. co-writes on like That's her right. fourth album yeah That's so right. i'm like so a lot of the artists that i pick on tonight's show are like when am I ever going to have a chance to talk about these artists in <laughs> any other show we ever do? So that's where Julia comes in. <laughs> awesome. So um, back when I used to DJ in bars, um, there, there's a couple times I had to DJ till three in the morning, which was hell, but it wasn't the hell of like, you know, do, doing it in the Midwest is one thing, doing it in New York is totally different, right? But like trying to find the closing song, I always went for something that's like, kind of like silly but doesn't fit with anything else right mm -hmm. or just kind of a hey go home type of thing <laughs> right so uh, this is such an uncool new york thing um but when i i used to close out the limelight a couple times and the cooler in a couple places with uh bob seegers we've got tonight Whoa. <laughs> this is wow. weird because i have something i we're gonna segue into something and you know <laughs> i so know funny. kenny rogers did a cover of it but it's not the same right but there's just something there's just something about like that heavy like clunking um piano thing that leads into the vocals and he's like i know it's late it's like oh okay you've been you know you've been you've been at the corner bar where all the really annoying people hang out all night right um and it just you know I may not love all of his records, but, you know, Bob Seger is kind of like the everyday musician that Kid Rock is not, right? Um, there's just something about those records, and I don't think he really gets the credit he deserves, right? I mean, yeah, there's the old-time rock and roll thing, too, and I really wanted to hate him after that record because every, right. that thing, <laughs> God, that record was friggin' terrible, right? But this one just kind of like, okay, so that's kind of a record that kind of got me into, like, some of that stuff. Is... You know, I have very mixed feelings about Bob Seger. I, I really yeah, don't like too. a lot of his stuff, yeah, but something that's really like stereotypical Seger is Night Moves. And I think that's a really good song. Yeah, It's like a really well-written song. Mm -hmm. So I, I dig that one. And that's about it. Yeah. So speaking of Seger's that have nothing to do with one another. <laughs> okay. um, my, I wanted to talk about Bruce Springsteen's uh, Seer Sessions album. Oh, yeah. So he, he released an album in 2006 with 
basically, uh, you know, covers of, of, um, Pete Seeger songs. And, uh, my, I'm a little biased because we, our friend Jeremy Chatsky was the bass player in this band, and it was just a fantastic. It was just a, a, a bunch of amazing musicians. Um, so I, I, uh, I didn't hear the album before I saw them live, and when I saw this amazing show, it was very intimate too. It was in a sort of a very small venue where he was doing these songs. I was absolutely captivated. And I wasn't, I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. I never had been really before. Um, but this just changed my whole perception of him. Also seeing him live, I was kind of blown away by Bruce and I, I could feel, I, the, the whole charisma thing of Bruce really came through to me. But then I went and I really sat down with that album and listened and, oh my God, the covers on this are so amazing. Like Jacob's, the, particularly these three, um, Oh Mary, Don't You Weep, Jacob's Ladder and Pay, pay me my money down. I mean, uh, but, but all the whole out, the album as a whole is so strong. And that actually really, it unexpectedly got me into Bruce Sp Springsteen more than I ever thought I would be. And mm -hmm. then I went back and, you know, kind of listened to more of his albums. And I, Bob took me to another show, like a, you know, a, a big, huge show at like the garden or something. And it was so great. So I really found a new appreciation for him through that album. Yeah, I think, you know, like most people my of my age, my entryway was was uh, born in the USA. Mm -hmm. But then I went right out. I jumped right from that to Nebraska. And once I heard Nebraska, mm. I was just hooked. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've, every time I've seen him, it's just been like, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's something live. Yeah, I was really just. I was like, okay, I get it, <laughs> you know? You know, I was listening to Top 40 back when Born to Run was hitting the, the radio and became a big hit. And I really, really love that song. I never really became a big Springsteen fan, but I've liked things here and there over the years. Tunnel of Love was a great song. The Nebraska album was really good. You know, I just never really kind of like got on board fully. Yeah. Uh, 2009. Um, when I was working at um, a music store, we got an in-store play copy of his newest album at that time called Working on a Dream. Fantastic oh, that's fantastic album. Such a good, yes, such a good it album. Is, and it blows me away that it only went gold. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that is such a great album. I love that album. It is fantastic. And I was really, so I guess I, I didn't even have this on my list, but now that Rob brings up Springsteen, I just realized I was completely surprised that I yeah. love that album as much as I did. And I still do love it. It's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, he's incredible. So I used to work with a guy um, when I worked at this bookstore. You know, his his apex was like, you know, um, his shtick was going to see Jackson Brown as many times as, as a human being could. Right. So eventually he wore me down with just a lot of the stuff that he played. But I think literally in the six years that I worked with him, I think I heard Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty at Ugh. least twice a day. Right. <laughs> and I don't love it. But man, when I hear that sax in it, I stop because mm. the sax yeah. is really good. Right. And it's just like um, I have a new respect for for him as a musician because I sort of learned what he's, what, how he had to make his records and stuff, but that's, I don't like anything else by him, but that one I can at least listen to or if it's on, I kind of stop and it's, it's yeah. kind of an earworm. 
I kind of went for earworms with some of these. So, mm -hmm. well, speaking of wearing down, now this is the this is a very obvious one, but um, Whitney Houston, I will always love you. I mean, oh lord, you know, it talk <laughs> about wearing down. I mean, I really yeah. how how much how many times could you hear that song, right? But I think it was a live performance that I saw, and you know, there's something about. Whitney, there's something about a few singers I find that I really, if I see, if I see them sing live, um, it really makes me love them, but I, yes. I won't go by their album. But so Whitney is one of them. Um, another one is um, Celine Dion. I'm not a fan, but just to see her, her sing is just, a, and Jennifer mm -hmm. Hudson, I love, I love her. I think she's amazing, but also to see her sing is just, it takes it to a whole other level. Yeah. That's and true. that brings me to my next person which is who, who I'm also not really a fan of, but this song, when I saw her sing it live, I was just blown away, which is Christina Aguilera's Beautiful hmm. from the Stripped album in 2002. Mm -hmm. That just, uh, I saw her sing that. It was just her and she was like sitting on a, she was sitting down to singing it. Very, very simple, you know? And I just was just blown away by that song, but also her and her voice. And I just really realized, wow, she's, she's so, so fucking talented, you know? Wow. Wow. That's cool. So I think my musical education can be broken down in chapters. Like there's the chapter when I used to hang out at the pool up until I was like 10. And then there's the roller skating years. And oh, yeah. then there's the years I went to the, the juice bar Right. And then, right. you know, everything else after. Right. Yeah. Um, but when I used to go to the pool in the summer, they used to play a lot of hit radio. And there's a lot of stuff that always got repeated all the time. Right. Yeah. And bear in mind, I was maybe nine. So like 77 to like 79 ish, kind of in that little range of time, maybe the, maybe early 1980. Right. Um because in the Midwest, you have nothing to do. It's hot in the summer, so you go to the pool. Um, but Feel So Good by Chuck Mangione, that thing was friggin' everywhere in 1977, right? <laughs> I mean, it was used in every commercial. It was used in, like, every public service announcement, you know? Every news story about a sad person opened with that horn thing. And now it's like, now it's like, it's got this, like, really weird... I mean, it starts off with horns, but it's got this, like funky like really wah, 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 kind of thing in the middle of it that's like what is this right <laughs> um it's still a crazily weird record mm -hmm. i, I love i love that he like allowed king of the hill to kind of skewer him on that song <laughs> oh my god it's so funny <laughs> and then oh. the other one at that time i remember you know um Toto's Africa was freaking everywhere. I couldn't escape that thing, right? And now I'm to the point where, like, I think I hated that record for like the the summer that it came out, and then it just died, like, because they moved on to Roseanne or something, right? And then I heard it a couple years later. I'd go to a bar uh, by my house, and they would play this thing all the time, and it kind of turned into like a weird sing along thing. And then I stopped going to the bar, and I didn't hear it for about maybe 10 years, which was, oh my God, it's amazing. And now I still, you know, when I hear it every once in a while, it's like, okay, I can tolerate this, but it always harkens me back to certain times mm -hmm. of like my early childhood to like 
adolescence to like adulthood, right? Yeah. And it's still a record that's just like this thing won't leave the planet, right? <laughs> it's like it's like they put it on Voyager, shipped it into space. It won't leave the planet, right? You just can't get away from it. So there's that one too. Another one that was that pervasive, and this isn't this is not on my list, but it reminds me of a Saturday Night Live skit when Hanson was the musical guest, and they yeah. involved them in a skit like that stupid song mbop mbop played like every yep. five and a half minutes on every station in every state of the country and yeah. they did a little thing where there was basically like using the song as torture to get information or whatever it's just hilarious <laughs> I, I knew a couple really you know solid taste makers people whose music the music opinion and music i would respect and really like and they all freaking love the fuck out of that record right mm. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm working in the record store one day and they're putting it on. I'm like, why are we putting this on? The I can't put on the Jesus and Mary chain because you're putting on fucking Hanson. <laughs> and now they sell out every time they come. It's just, I don't understand it. It is I a catchy say, as heck. It, it is painfully catchy. It is. I will say that there was, I think it was the second single, Where's the Love? Fantastic song. Really? I thought it should have gotten the airplay that mm got got but it didn't i thought it was great okay this has been a lot of fun so far but let's take a real quick break and uh, we'll be back in about 30 seconds with some more great stories pardon the interruption we'll bring you back to your podcast in just a moment but first promo for the cosmic pizza podcast here on the eso network three hosts recommend this podcast i recommend it i recommend it and i recommend it on the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, it's a slice of life as we discuss literally anything in the universe. Cosmic Pizza Podcast, here to serve all of your needs. Wednesday, I'm here with you people. It's like wild. No pizzas were harmed in the creation of this podcast. All right, we're back. Stephanie, what you got next? All right, so you were talking about Hanson, and uh, that just reminded me of Carly Jepsen. Is that, is oh, that, yeah. That's right, right? So Carly Rae Jepsen. I, Carly Rae Jepsen, that's why. Yeah. Call me maybe. I mean, look, I hated it, but then it wore me down. It did. It wore me down. And I I started dancing along to it when I would hear it. <laughs> you can't deny a good pop song when you or yeah, you know. All right. Well, I've got I'm gonna go for one. I don't the rest of the ones on my list, since I talked about um Springsteen and hearing an in-store play copy. A couple of my picks, actually the rest of my list all come from in-store play copies at various locations where I worked. The first one that I'm thinking of, um, this is from 86 and I was working at Specs Music back in Central Florida. This was in Winter Haven, Florida. And we got this Australian band that would never have gotten any radio play in America. They were called Wawani. And they were sort of this white the sugar funk. free song. Yes, exactly. They were sort of this white funk band. And this was when I was like super into like the American funk scene with Prince and Sheila and the time and all of Prince's offshoots like the family. I was just super into that scene. And so these guys came along and they just slotted right into that, uh, into huh. that scene. And the first album was just a self-titled album, Wawani, and it was so good. We got that as an in-store play copy. And, you know, I'm sure we were the only store in the entire country that played it 
and I, I, I sold a copy here and there because people heard it and I played it all the time <laughs> and I just loved it so much. And I still listen to it on a pretty regular basis. Um, one of the, the, their second single was the only big hit that they had here in America, sugar free, a weird song. And there's actually some stylistically surprising things on this yeah. album. Like it's, it's a pretty straightforward, white funk kind of album but there's some stuff like the second song teacher is got such a weird and different groove to it that it, it's really cool it's a it's a fantastic album i don't think I, i've ever even heard of this band no 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 they had two albums and they were done and i've never heard the second album so <laughs> and this is the most anyone's talked about wawani in like 30 years exactly <laughs> this um, is gonna this is gonna start a revival of their career i feel it i just know it I, will I, I, I think, Alan, this is a case, too, of a band that, like, with that first record, if they didn't put Sugar Free on it, it'd be like, this is an amazing record. But Sugar Free just is so, I don't hate it. It's, it's just so overproduced. That it's, it's a kind dorky of, song. It's, it is yeah. not the best song on the album. And it's funny how yeah. that happens sometimes where the song that doesn't define the album, like it's the one that's sort of the outlier, becomes the radio hit. Yeah. And nobody ever hears the other stuff. Yeah. Or if they do, they don't like the other stuff because it doesn't sound yeah. like that one song. And, right. And but there's some fantastic songs on this album. Stimulation is amazing. The opening track, one in one, is great. Manchild. Oh my God, such a killer album. I uh, went through a really horrible, nasty uh, breakup in the early '90s. Right. And it was one of those like I'm going to stay home and drink and listen to my Smith's records kind of things. Right. <laughs> and, um, but it turns out this person had broken every record in my house. No so way. The only, the only record I could find were the albums that my landlady had in the closet of her storage room. Cause I lived in her basement apartment. So I found a copy of the jazz singer by Neil Diamond. Right. Wow. Which I have a so all the records to which, survive. Which when I was well, no, I mean she didn't touch any of hers. I mean, all of the Steve Lawrence, all that crap's fine, right? She breaks up mine. So anyway, um, and when I was in Mexico, that I saw that movie in a theater when I was 12. I went to Mexico when I was 12. Anyway, um, so I'm like, I think there's a sad song in it. So I think I literally played Love on the Rocks by <laughs> Neil Diamond. I think every day for three days and my friend Lionel Drummond came over to see me. Um, he came down from Queens and he's like, man, I don't think you're very okay. Oh. So now oh. when I hear that, I, uh, I love on the rocks. And he's got that husky. Surprised. He's got that really husky yeah. thing on it that, that he doesn't, he doesn't sound like Neil Diamond on any of the other songs where he does that. Right. You know, this is like very husky and sort of sad and it's, it's, it, it's yeah. Yeah. So that's my sad. Oh, that's, that's my, a sad breakup wow. story. My, yeah. I can't believe your the records were all smashed. That's terrible. Yeah. Don't bad. Bad news. All right. I have. I have a uh, another one that sort of converted me to an artist. A song that converted me to an artist, although in a little bit of a different way. So I was never a Keith, and I still am not really a Keith Urban fan. Ooh. I don't like his own. <laughs> I don't like his songs really mm -hmm. but when i saw at he did a cma music festival in 2010 oh. and he covered with a little with a little help from my friends oh cool and uh the um the joe cocker version you know he kind of did it like that with with backup singers who were so amazing 
And I was John like, Belushi there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It was the ghost of John Belushi there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he, I, uh, I actually just, I was like, I can't, can't believe this is the same dude who sings these schmaltzy songs that I don't like, you know? And I've seen him do covers of other songs too, that I, I think the guy is just, to me, he needs to be a total rocker instead of this half country pop kind of crap. Right. He's, a, he's got such a great voice. He's such a good guitar player. Yes, and he, he is. can fucking rock. And he just, I just, ugh, I wish he would do more stuff like rocking. Yeah. CMT does uh, this occasional special where it's like a rock artist and a country artist. It's called Crossroads. Mm, where they yeah. are ones that kind of influence each other. And they did one with um, Keith Urban and John Mayer. And oh. it was so good. And even though I don't really care for a lot of Keith Urban's songs, mm. I respect the hell out of him as an artist, as a performer, as a guitar player. Especially. Guitar player. And they Ooh. just did they just did this song where it was this long sort of guitar jam where they just wow. played they just played guitar and they played off of each other and it was spellbinding. And I just think he is a spectacular guitar player. He is. And I would go to a, a, any Keith Urban concert where he just spent 90 minutes just playing guitar. Yeah. He, yep. He's incredible. I, I don't yeah. care much for his country songs. And it's not that I don't like country. It's just that some of his songs are a little no. trite. And I, I just I think he's don't... so much better than that. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And you know, I, I I don't really consider what they call country today country. It's just to mm -hmm. me, it's just schmaltzy or pop. I I don't know. Right. So yeah. yeah, I you're right. That's a good way to put it. He's so much better than that. He could be so much better than that. And but I mean, he's doing fine. He's making yeah, a good yeah. Living. Who are we you to know? say? I mean, like yeah. guys, right. who are we to argue with the guy? <laughs> so as we continue to destroy our demographics um, <laughs> on, on this show, right. Um, I'll piggyback off of what you said, Steph. And, you know, when I um, was an adolescent and I listened to what my dad would refer to as the fright rock, um, mm -hmm. you know, both of my uh, sisters, whenever they had a boyfriend or whatever, they would try to like get me to like whatever, like nonsense they'd listen to, whether it was Alabama or Leonard Skinner or any of that <laughs> stuff. Right. Um, but I, I helped my brother-in-law work on my dad's car one summer. And um, literally every day for three months, I think I heard that really popular Eddie Rabbit record forever. Ew. Right? So yeah. like literally, I think now, you know, there's sort of a knee jerk reaction to when I hear driving my life away. Right. Because I would hear that thing. I'm like, OK, this is kind of catchy. The percussion's kind of cool. It does have this sort of driving contemporary pop feel to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is this is kind of when I think country started to kind of go pop a lot more, too. But um, and I kind of forgot about it. Right. And then I'm watching the Americans, the TV show. Oh, yeah. And they used it on that. Right. I think in the last season of the Americans. And I'm like, I can't get this out of my head. And then literally I was in a store last week picking up some stuff and I heard it again. I heard it three <laughs> times in three different stores last That's week. weird. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Um the other weird one that I have a sort of weird love hate with is the 10 CC not in love song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's um, great. I love that. Which song. I really love how they use it in guardians of the galaxy. And it's got that sort mm -hmm. of like 
that little noise at the beginning that kind of like sounds like Brian Eno, but it's not right. Right. It, um, right. It's like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I have a friend who loves 10 CC and it's like 10 CC or her like Beatles. Right. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I don't love a lot of their records, but that one's like, you know, I can always listen to that when I have to Right? it's sort of on my like list, the list in my back pocket that I have of like, normal people music i can have a conversation with normal people about music right um and it's kind of in that's kind of in that camp i've got a jazz one Ooh, bring it on um this is more jazz like pop kind of jazz but it's a vocalist and again this was a discovery of mine through in-store listening this was when again i was at specs music in winter haven florida this is from 1985 and it's a, a vocalist that i have an enormous amount of respect for he is an incredible talent but i just never bought an album until we got a copy of live in london al Jarreau. Oh. that live album just i don't know it caught me and, and this is you know 85 is when i was like into a lot of metal and stuff like that and i was uh i just i was blown away by it and it's just a it's basically like a greatest hits album with a couple of like really key album tracks all presented in this really great live album and the first song on the album raging waters was like i was like holy cow i didn't know algero did stuff like this but Mm. then the rest of the album was stuff like let's pretend and high crime and we're in this love together and teach me tonight. And it's just amazing. And it's like every different style of jazz that he sings is represented on this album. And it's so good. And I would play that stupid record all the time. And I would get, you know, we never had that many different in-store play things going at the same time. So you'd get tired of hearing everything, but then, Every time it was my turn to play stuff, my coworkers were like, "Oh God, he's going to play that <laughs> record again." And I got—I did get stuck on a few of them, and there was one of them called uh, by a band called Maserati, which was on Prince's record label, because I knew they weren't getting any, any play on radio or MTV or anything, and I knew that if I played it, I would sell records, and yeah. I would be like the only store in America that was going to sell copies of this record. So I played it every single time I was on shift. Oh, they sold owe you at some least royalties. one copy every time I, I, I played it. So. They owe you some royalties. <laughs> they do. They do. So, yeah, Al Jarreau, man, that, that live album, Live in London from 1985. I had, it's, it's a great encapsulation of Al Jarreau's career up to that point, and he is just an extraordinary vocalist. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay, I'm going to th- I'm gonna throw back to a 70s song from 72, Steely Dan reeling in the years as soon as you said steely dan i knew that was the song yeah because i i mean i i guess i was sort of by osmosis a steely dan fan from my because my parents would would play the you know steely dan record so Mm. um but i didn't you know i don't know i i guess i didn't really think one way or the other of them i i liked them or i just knew them but but that reeling in the years song i don't i guess it, it it pretty much annoyed me for many many years and then uh after getting super into asia their album asia yeah later on i went back to can't buy a thrill which is what reeling in the years is on and um 
so I don't know. I, I, I gained a whole new appreciation for that song. And I can also, I could, I won't, but I could sing you the guitar solos in that song because mm-hmm. I know them by heart, like every note. Um, and I, 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 cause that's how much I played it over and over and over and, and sort of, you know, like I said, gained a, a, an appreciation for, for that. Mm-hmm. That was a great album though. I mean, it had, in addition to, um, well, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about Asia. Oh, Asia, Asia is also just, a phenomenal album. Everything on Asia is just yeah. insane. Yeah. Exactly. But reeling in the years. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that was an interesting song. I remember hearing yeah. that on the radio back in the day. Yeah. And it's, it kind of surprises me sometimes how many like top 40 hits Steely Dan had. Oh yeah. I heard them all the time and you know, I didn't really, they didn't really sink into my brain. You know what I mean? Until mm-hmm. later on. And I was like, you know, this, I know all this stuff from my growing up years and it would, it kind of surprised me just yeah. how much radio success that band had. Well, Asia itself, I mean, it's not a very, uh, it, it doesn't have like that many songs on it. it, but, but yeah, there's at least, at least. So half, half, the, half your greatest hits are going to be from that album anyway. <laughs> yeah, really. Cause it's got peg. And I remember yeah. playing Rosie. peg in my, in my, when I was in 10th grade, I was in jazz band at school and we played an arrangement of peg and there's Deacon blues and Josie. But uh, black cow. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, that's a killer album. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my Sealy Dan story. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I didn't love Aha out of the gate. Um, mainly because the juice bar I went to played Take On Me like six times every night. Right. Right. But once they got to, I think, Train of Thought, which was the second single. Yeah, I think. I think Train was, was the third single because second was... Um... The other one that you like a lot. Um, with oh, the Sun Always title. Shines on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Train of Thought was third single. Okay, so like Sun Always Shines on TV, I was kind of like, okay, this, is, this isn't bad. But when they got to Train of Thought, I was kind of like, you know, I just need to listen to these guys and eliminate the MTV hype and all the pretty boy stuff and the fact that like literally girls would stop having a conversation with me if they heard an AHA record <laughs> on, right? Um <laughs> And they really are a better band than, than I think people give them credit for. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, I don't even remember how or why I got sucked in. And it may have been Sun Always Shines on TV because I really did like the first single. But it, it's a, it's really poppy and it's a, a bit bubblegumish. But Sun Always Shines on TV, I, I don't know. There was something about it and, and about the music video itself that really really hooked me and i think that may have been when i bought the album and i ended up absolutely loving the entire album yeah it's a much better album than single yeah. than than the singles on it wouldn't it make you think um yeah that, that first album hunting high and low the title song was the fourth single and it had a super cool music video where it was kind of animated and Morton would is like singing the song. And then he turns into he's hunting high and low. Right. So he turns into an Eagle and he searches the sky for his, his love. And then he turns into a dolphin and he dives under the ocean and looks for, it's so great. Oh my God. But yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hardcore lifelong aha fan. And it all comes down to that first album. It's just amazing. 
I'll have to go revisit because I'm really not familiar with much more than Take On Me, really. Um, their guitar player slash keyboardist, Paul Voktar, is the main one of the main songwriters in the band. They all contribute, but he does a lot of it. And he's got a darkness about him because he's, I mean, surprising songs about death and murder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It's he's got some really interesting hmm. stuff. So yeah, I, I I encourage everyone to go and dive deeper into aha. Uh-huh. Love them. All right. And let's hear it. There's a total 180 again. Yay. Um, <laughs> yay. So <clears throat> I was really into way into early hip hop and um going to, you know, clubs in the early eighties and mid eighties and even though I guess it was late eighties and just like listening to all the, all the cool new bands. I was super into sets of Sonic. I was so into public enemy. Um, there, there, there was a time when the, when things just sort of got started going in a direction of, um, you know, more violence, more, you know, you know, just, uh, it was almost like a, a, a harder version of rap that I, that I, than I was used to and that I liked. And so I was, I was kind of, uh, um, I just, it just turned me off. Yeah, Yeah. yes, apprehensive is a good word. But when I heard NWA's Fuck the Police, I was absolutely floored. Yeah. And that album just, that that just got me into that whole album and just, it, it, it really changed my mind, I think, about not all of that, not all, you know, rap that was super violent or whatever but i mean they were just speaking truth to power in such a way that it it was it just you can't deny the power of that album so that that was yeah. a real big one for me we i remember we talked about that on one of our previous shows mm-hmm. about what an atom bomb yeah i mean when that thing dropped it dropped hard yeah. like it was shocking and i think it was eye-opening yeah oh yeah it was, if you could receive it, the message it was yeah it and was if powerful you it really speaks for itself there's nothing to you know really there's nothing else to say about that it it just yeah. that album speaks for itself yeah yeah well this isn't rap but it's i got an i got an r&b artist and this is another of course another in-store play and this is from 2008 and it's Raphael sadiq and he had been in the band Tony, Tony, Tony. Mm-hmm. And he had gone on to be like a real career songwriter, producer, musician, and um, a solo artist. He also produced records for people like Erica Badu and Jill Scott and Stevie Wonder and TLC and Whitney Houston and oh Mary God. J. Blige. I mean, he, is, he has just become a, a, a real R&B powerhouse. But he, in 2008, an album called The Way I See It. Oh, my God. We played it in the, in, uh, this is when I was working at Barnes & Noble. I was a manager at a, uh, the music department in one of the Barnes & Nobles here in Atlanta. And, um, I, oh God, I love that album so much. Um, there was, I mean, it was just this long, it was, you know, this is the CD years. So it's just a, a yeah. like an 80-minute stretch of just, really well-crafted kind of like modern versions of throwback R and B. Oh my God. It was so good. And 
so I was doing a little reading up on it today, and I found where in 2008, Elton John said that it was his favorite album of the year, and he, he called it a soul record of the highest quality. Oh, wow. wow. It is amazing. It is so good. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I didn't think about this and put it on my list, but at around that same time is when I started, when I got my first introduction to John Legend. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which album it was. It was, I think, his third album. And we played that in store and I, I just fell in love with it. And I think that, talk about throwback R&B. I think that John Legend is an extraordinary talent. I really think that he has got this classic sound to his voice. And I really think of him as the modern day Nat King Cole, like this timeless voice. Mm-hmm. And so, and it thanks to, you know, my dumb job in the music department at Barnes and Noble, <laughs> I discovered what an incredible talent John Legend is. And the album is so good. It's so different from the stuff that you hear on the radio. It's amazing. I'll leave you with a 1982 hit from Scandal, Goodbye to You. Which Oh my gosh, I, I love that. I love that song so much. Well, now I do, but I didn't. I just was like, I don't know why. I, I, I kind of, I couldn't appreciate her when it came out, I don't think. I, I don't mm. know. I, I just didn't think they were so cool. And I just, you know, I was... I was just more into like stuff like the Go-Go's and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't know, maybe whatever. Anyway, I came to appreciate her amazing voice, Patty Smythe. God, what a voice she has. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's pretty much of an undeniable pop song. So she, you know, she had scandal, had a couple of hits and Mm -hmm. they were completely different from each other. Stylistically, they were worlds apart yeah just think about like the warrior you know right and then she had like a solo hit and then she sang on that hooters song where do the children go that was like it i mean she should have had a much bigger career than she had either with scandal or after scandal she should have been a much bigger presence on the scene i think i agree because her voice really is very unique yeah very powerful um, and yeah, it's kind of a shame that she didn't really have massive success. I mean, she had plenty of success and it's not like she didn't have success, but you know, like in a Whitney Houston way, no, an ongoing kind of success. Yeah. 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 Well, that was fun. I mean, especially going into this, having no idea where this discussion was going to go. <laughs> there was a lot of really fun things that came up. So I'm glad we did this. Yeah. Good. But, hey. It is now time for our picks of the week. So, Rob, why don't you kick us off? So, I guess I'll start with um, a movie. It's kind of making the rounds. Um, and I know Steph will be interested in this, too, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of time, uh, it's the Material Issue movie. Uh, it's all about the Chicago band Material Issue, which was a big thing. Um, Material Issue story. Um, they were a big deal when I was first starting doing college radio and you know, Valerie loves me and Diane and, and stuff. And, um, just a band that should have broke, man. I mean, if the replacements broke material issues should have broke. Right. Mm-hmm. And they had a huge cult following in the Midwest and, um, their lead singer, uh, passed away, uh, took his own life. And, um, it's just a heartbreaking story, but the documentary is very, very good. So I, I recommend that, uh, you should see that. Also, um, I want to recommend a band from Sydney, Australia. They're called Bridge Dog, and uh, they're 
really, really, really good. They kind of got that beach house sort of like um, all vase kind of kind of thing going on, and um, they've got a couple singles. They're just um, great. Like they have a single called Counterweight that's just probably one of the best singles I've heard um, this spring. So recommend that. Um, also, I was like many people, super thrilled this week to learn that uh, See Your Rose uh, have a new album. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're currently touring with an orchestra, but the album's called Ada, and um, it's fantastic. It's their first album in 10 years, and um, it's, yeah, it's just everything I, I, I want it to be, and I'm super happy about that. And um, Sleepy Kitty uh, have an album. Uh, they're kind of an indie band. that uh, Kind of. <laughs> I know. That's well, the, the band name I've ever heard. Um, well, the, drummer, <laughs> the drummer used to be in Harvey Danger. Yeah, the most that so that yeah, but um, they're a really great live pop band. A blessing curse, Steph, you'll love it. You, oh, okay, yeah. Sleepy Kitty. I like the name you, so much. You will, <laughs> you will just yeah. Uh, so they just played some gigs in uh, Paris and London, and um, they're fantastic. They've done you know couple of the stuff that one, uh, one of their um one of their members was the guitarist um for ezra Furman on his tour so um yeah it's it's their first record in a while it's coming out on nordic records and it is excellent and then also um uh, an early contender for album of the year and it brings back the full big 90s sound that you got with like Simple Minds and some of the early U2 records, but The Alarm are back. They have a new album called What? Forwards. Yeah. The Alarm? The Alarm. And Holy I'm, I'm, cow. And I'm really, I'm really happy for Mike Peters. Yes. He beat cancer. Yes. Twice. Yeah. Like, yeah. He beat leukemia. He was going to tour. The cancer came back and he mm. beat it again. And mm. he's just an all around nice guy. Um, yeah. Yep. So um, great. That's awesome. But it's, That's it's just so cool. That whole record is just frigging amazing. Um, wow. And you should uh, look into that. And then uh, also, there's a new Joan Jett EP out for oh. her tour. Yeah. Uh, if you're blue. So I'm very excited about that. It's only a couple songs, but it's a nice little taster. She's on tour right now. Pretty much as anybody needs an opening band, they call Joan Jett and she opens for him. And then everybody Dude, goes to see her has- and they leave. She has made a career out of opening for other bands. Yeah. Like she has this hour long set that is hit packed. Yeah. That she does the same damn set every year. Well, every half a year, because when she finishes a Boston tour, then she's on a heart. I saw her with heart like a few years ago. Yeah. And, and uh, my God. So every band that tours has, she'll open for him at some point. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can't deny it. It's an, it's an, an open it's for Abba. <laughs> open for Abba. Um, if, if the Carpenters were still touring, she'd open for them. Too. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really happy to to have her sort of still chugging away at making records. Oh yeah, sure. Um, you know, we're at a, we're at a time right now when um, people are talking about the revival of the Riot Girl movement and stuff. I'm like, guys, how about it's a revival of the Joan Jet Susie Quattro movement? Yeah. How about we just call it what it is right so uh i want to recommend that as well all right well steffi i know that you and i both saw shows this weekend and yep so why don't you go 
All right. We, Bob and I went to see your friend and mine, Ira Elliott from Not A Surf. Woohoo! When you I can listen to Ira on our, what is it? Our drummer's what? episode. Yeah. What makes a good drummer? You can listen to Ira on our What Makes a Good Drummer episode. Um, but anyway, Ira is in a band called Bambi Kino. And it, the band members are Ira, Doug Gillard from Guided by Voices, um, Eric Paparazzi from like Cat Power, and Mark Razzo from uh, Maplewood and Champale. So it's a, they're unbelievable like group of musicians. And they play songs that cover the Beatles' formative years from like 1960 to 62 when they were just be just before they hit their celebrity and uh, they were playing in Hamburg. And so most, most, I think if not all of the songs they do are a cover, are, you know, classic covers that the Beatles used to just practice to and, and they cut their chops on, you know, on the, on these songs. So um, they played at a place called Heaven Can Wait, which is the old Brownies in New York City. And they did three sets. Like it was sold out. It was, the crowd was just jumping up and down like the whole time swinging around dancing and it was like a just old-fashioned sweaty good time rock and roll show <laughs> so go see bambi kino if you can if they if they grace your town with their presence i don't know how if they're playing on tour right now but um definitely check them out if you can and how was ira oh ira he's always the best he's always like so upbeat and cheerful and lovely. He's a wonderful person and we love him so much. And he's one of my favorite drummers of all time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I only know him from our, the show that we did with him and he was so nice and so yeah. just friendly. So uh, such a great guy. I, yeah. I love that guy. Yep. All right. Well, Friday, Friday night. Okay. This is going to sound kind of cheesy, but I don't care. Friday night, I went to see Sticks. Yes. Oh my God. So it, they they still just blow me away because they, I mean they've got this huge career of hits, and this was basically a greatest hits show. Oh wow. Which you know is fine because I don't see them on every tour. You know I get tired of those bands who just play the same fucking set list all the time. And Sticks at least rotates out some of the stuff from their newest album. You know. Um. But since I don't see them, but every like three years or so, and I don't ever really put the hits on any of my like sticks playlists, hearing one night of just nothing but sticks hits is so much fun. And it blows me away that so the the key, the core of the band is James Young, who was one of the founding members back in 71, 70, I think it was, and Tommy Shaw, who came in in 75. And it just blows the snot out of my head that Tommy <laughs> is like two months away from 70 and JY <sighs> is 73 and neither of them look sound or act like their age. They, they are perpetually a solid, amazing, good performing band. And, you know, Dennis DeYoung has been out of the band for 20 something years. And the guy that they got to replace him is this dude named Lawrence Gowan, who's a big star in Canada. And he is an incredible frontman. He's 66. 
and he just runs around and jumps on top of his keyboard and <laughs> dances like crazy. And it just blows my mind that they are as old as they are and they do the stuff that they do. That's so, cool. Oh, it was so much fun. But I also this week watched a documentary and it was one that we've mentioned this on the show before. It was a band that I never heard of. I like, I didn't know anything about them. I knew one song because the Bengals recorded it. <laughs> I watched the big star documentary. I knew you were, when you said oh that. My yeah. gosh, it was so good. <laughs> oh, I love big star. So now I'm like all listening to the, the first couple of big star albums. Yeah. So, you know, September girls, was on the Bengals third album and album? it was sung by Michael Steele, their bass player who I absolutely love. Yes. She's got mm -hmm. such a killer voice and I love their recording of that song. But you know, and once I heard the original, I liked it too, but mm -hmm. it wasn't until, you know, we, we talked about them on this show that I was like, you know, I just don't know anything about big star. And you, you both were like, what? How I know I could, well, Bob couldn't believe you didn't know <laughs> like who they were. There's uh you should uh check out Chris Bell also has um I think yeah. it was a posthumous release. I will um I am the cosmos. Yeah, wow, I plan to yeah. What a record that is. And then all the awesome. this mortal coil covers of mm. theirs, yeah. Wow. So yeah, I am I'm cool. like I'm really digging Big Star right now, and I'm so excited that I finally you know, came around to them. Yeah. All that's right. kind of apropos for our show topic tonight in that, a way. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I just watched it a couple of days ago. How did I not think to put that on my list? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I, that's why I'm here, Alan. Thank you. I'm glad that you take up my slack. <laughs> in her ongoing role as den mother. She <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps it up for us this week. Um, we're going to be back next week i don't know what we're talking about but it's going to be something fun um stephanie where can people find more about you you can find me on Bandcamp under my name you can find me at stephanie seymour music on facebook and you can find me on instagram at there underscore r underscore birds and also just at my website there are birds.com oh and of course all the, the streaming platforms spotify and all those right on Rob. So you can find me on uh, Louder Than War Radio on Mondays from 6 to 8 uh, Greenwich time, uh, which is 1 to 3 Eastern, 12 to 2 uh, Central. And I'm too mathematically dumb to figure out Pacific, but you, you can do that on your own if you need to. Um, that's a show called Antics. And if you listen to it in real time, that's great. If not, you can go to the Mixcloud on their uh, webpage and hear all of the, uh, the previous 16 editions of the show and uh, the new one and listen to that as well. Um, you also can find some of my writing on Inc. 19 and um, a couple other websites. Uh, I'm part of the Need Coffee Weekend Justice podcast and also for almost 29 years now, I have hosted uh, Juxtaposition on KDHX. It's on Wednesday nights and that's from seven to nine. So if you're at home, and you want to listen to the radio, or maybe you're trying to get that dreaded wombat out of your yard, you can um, listen to that while you're running around like a madman trying to get rid of the wombats. Or maybe the wombats are keeping you from listening to the radio. That's fine, too, because we have an archive stream. And basically, uh, what this means now is you can listen to any of the shows on KDHX whenever you want. 
for or two weeks. All the shows are archived for two weeks, and you can listen to that um, till your heart's content. So there you go. And, and Alan, tell us, tell the kids where they can find you. Go to cosmic creative.com K O Z M I C creative.com. And you can buy one of my books or you can listen to one of my other podcasts, like my star Trek podcast, earth station Trek, or my doctor who podcast, doctor who a to Z. That would be Jim Dandy if you did such a thing. <laughs> I would love you forever. But while you're doing all that stuff, why don't you go and uh, re and connect more with us? You can email us your thoughts and comments to modernmusicology1 at gmail.com. Or you can find us on our Facebook page, our Instagram don't bother looking for us at Twitter because I never remember to put anything out there on our Twitter. So don't even bother. But but look for us on Facebook and on Insta. We, we do some stuff there. And you could find our YouTube channel. We just need a few more subscribers so that we can get a custom URL. Yes. So go do that. Do that. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in one week. Take care and keep rocking on. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.